Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I am your host, Harrison Greenbaum. Thank you so much for joining me. We are here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. if you are on the East Coast. Uh, if you're on Central Time, as our feature guest is, that would be 6 p.m. And if you're on the West Coast, it's 4 p.m. Um, and also, this show is available as a podcast. You can download it. Uh, just go to whobookstat.com. There's a link right to the Apple Music Store or iTunes, depending on how up-to-date your software is. Uh, crazily enough, in terms of performing arts podcasts, this is in the top 100 podcasts in five different countries around the world. So a huge thank you to the United States, the UK, Canada, Germany, and Japan. We're in the top 30 performing arts podcasts in Japan. We can literally say we are huge in Japan. I don't know how or why, but origato. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and a huge thanks, as always, to the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the IBM, uh, for presenting and sponsoring this show. Uh, could not do the show without them. Uh, huge thanks to uh, outgoing President Alexander. Congrats on your tenure. And a huge congratulations to the incoming president. He's now our uh, the president of the IBM, Stephen Bergazzi, uh, who was a guest on this show uh, with his son, Nate, uh, way back in the day. I was a surprise guest as well. Um, and you can join IBM, magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. You can join if you're not a member already. You can renew your membership. Uh, we, the, you get the linking ring, uh, programming like this. Uh, and they just do a really great job. They've done an incredible job throughout quarantine. And they have the IBM Jam Live, which is content that comes in every week. Really, really cool stuff. So make sure you check that out. Facebook.com slash IBM Magic. And last but certainly not least, you can follow me on the Twitters and the Instagrams at Harrison Comedy. I'm on social media, so please check me out there. But now it is time to officially kick off this show with a guest I am so excited to talk to. She is the Close-Up Magician of the Year from the Academy of Magical Arts. She uh, has been performing for over four decades. Uh, she's an incredible performer. She's an incredible story. She's coming to us all the way from Minnesota, our first Central Time guest. Make some noise. Get excited. Uh, a magician so good, she only has one name. It's Suzanne, everybody. Ooh, hi. Suzanne. You did the best magic trick, Harrison. The <laughs> best magic trick. You want to know what it was? What was it? You made me six inches taller. That's right. I did. I, I uh, in, in this little banner art there, I gave you a little, I put you on a stool, a virtual oh. uh, Photoshop <laughs> version of a stool. Okay. How do you do it? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Get, getting ready to be not locked down anymore. I'm ready for that. Oh, I feel you so much. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've had a foray into live shows. I've done some socially distant outdoor shows and parks and stuff. But yeah, nothing really beats uh, performing. I mean, the, all the things that make a really good comedy show in particular, tight rooms, uh, very small ceilings, indoors, are all things that coronavirus also loves. So Being it's- Being uh, able to high five people. That's right. Uh, and the close-up gallery seems like the worst place to be for corona. Right? Uh, exactly. Um, but we'll get to, to you uh, in the close-up gallery at the Magic Castle. Um, you're currently in uh, in Minnesota, but you started out in Battle Creek, Michigan. Is that correct? Yeah, that's where I grew up. And then I moved here. I was about 24, something like that, when I moved here. So and I heard when you moved uh, to Michigan, you ran into a magician at your apartment complex. That was one of the first ways you realized that magic could be a career. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I like magic kind of entered my life in funny little times and I never gave it any thought, but I was um, living in an apartment complex and then across the par parking lot in another building, there was this guy named Chris Jakeway. And uh, he used to teach um, at uh, Abbott's uh, doing the Chavez course. 
and um, um, he showed me Chinka Chink was the first trick he performed for me, but he would never teach me. Oh, wow. I don't so, know if in 2020 we're allowed to use that name for that trick, but... <laughs> well, I don't know what it's called, I don't know what <laughs> no. it's called otherwise. <laughs> no, no, I feel ya. No, that's amazing. Um, I also think there was a, a, another sort of uh, confluence where you met your husband, uh, Lewis, uh, and he was a musician, not a magician, but he also kind of had some magic connections. Yeah, you know, he was actually my guitar teacher. So I, I, had, I was playing guitar um, at the time, and I was playing in a lounge with this other guy, and he was going to move, and he said, you know, why don't you just take the gig? And I went, ah, I'm not good enough. And uh, so I, somebody introduced me to him and uh, to Louie, and he started giving me lessons, and um, and then he did uh, Invisible Deck for me, and it, it's like the first real magic trick I ever saw, other than the the one that Chris Jakeway did for me. Oh no, that Chris was later. So um, uh, Louis showed me um, Invisible Deck, and then called, had me pick a card, and called a friend, and was while he was waiting on the phone, he was just kind of talking to the guy who was on the phone, and then he, the guy was able to tell me the card. <laughs> now I know what it is, but right, yeah. I didn't. That's a really strong effect. I mean, the visible deck as a, as a, as a, if that's the one trick, you know, you are in very good hands. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so he was kind of the, the, the start. And then he took me to Abbott's one time we went down to Abbott's and, uh, um, but I was a computer programmer. That's what I went to college for. And that, I mean, there's a sort of, sort of mind, a sort of mental, space you need to be in for computer programming puzzles and problem solving. Yeah. Was that connected to your magic as well? I think so. I think that's probably why I was drawn to it because I always like the, the logic puzzles and um, I'm, I'm always puzzling something out. And, um, and uh, now uh, Louis, uh, we got married in 1986. Now he's a software developer <laughs> and, and I do this. So. And so right around that time, I think these photos are from around that. They're, oh, my this, God. This is from the late 80s. These are some early uh, promo shots. Okay. So, okay. So, you know when that was, but I want guesses. Well, you already said late 80s. <laughs> People want to guess that I'm like 12 or something there. <laughs> but if you zoom in, you can see I've got on, a, uh, I've got on a, um, an engagement ring. So um, I was either 24 or 25 there. And these but are- I don't look like I was 12. <laughs> no, you look great. I there's a, was there a bird act at some point? No, well, sort of. That was uh, um, uh, magical and mystical, my, my doves. And um, I, that was when I first started doing magic. And I played around with animals for a while. I had a rabbit named Rufus. <laughs> and I taught him how to pick a card. And, um, and uh, I, I just, I couldn't do, I mean, I like, I love doing the stuff with the doves, but um, Louie was horribly allergic. So he kept getting sick <laughs> all the time. We finally figured out he's allergic to the doves and the rabbits. And, you know, I really like close up magic better anyway. So worked out better. But one of the things that I read was that he was gigging at small clubs and you were hanging out with him and you were performing magic in that venue. And that seems to be sort of the, the impetus to shift into a more strolling vibe. Was that sort of the the, the genesis of, of your strolling? 
Well, yeah. So like I was taking lessons from Al Schneider and um, I had like four tricks or something. And so I'm showing my friends who are also there to, to watch Louis play and they're going Wah! at the table. And then all the people around wanted to see what was it that was making the people go. Wah! So I'd go and do magic for them. And I, they started giving me tips and I came home <laughs> with like a hundred dollars one night and I went, gee, I want to do that. So it kind of, that's when it's kind of got me started thinking maybe I could start doing, yeah. So that's uh that's him playing at a, um, at a club in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and this is actually a perfect segue because he looks a little Eugene Burgery in this photo. And he, Eugene Burger was, was vital in your transition into uh, restaurant magic, right? He, yeah, he was. Well, I was actually already doing restaurants. I just wasn't doing upscale restaurants. Gotcha. So yeah, he actually wants to um, uh, wanted that beard to be kind of like Leland Sklar. So if you guys don't know who Leland Sklar is, just do a website, uh, just do a uh, Google search, and oh, there he is. The boy that was a long time ago. Oh my gosh, <laughs> my my kid is thirty now, and he's got to be like seventeen or fifteen or seventeen there. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, but, but in yeah, terms of like the restaurant magic, uh, the, uh, can you tell us the story? Because he he helped you get moved into those upscale restaurants, but it was sort of uh, that that fits into what you were saying before about there being these moments where uh, luck luck and uh, good timing have transpired to put you in the right place at the right time. Oh yeah. So in fact, uh, um, I'll 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 tell you an, uh, another story after I answer this question. That is truly magic fell in my lap. So, um, so the restaurant magic stuff, I was already doing uh, ground round restaurants, which if people, they're not around anymore, I don't think, but ground round were, were like um, uh, TGI Fridays, but more kid friendly than that. They had like Bingo the Clown or whatever. And I thought- um, Did they have fajitas? Cause that, as, as I did restaurant magic and that was always the scariest food for a table to order. Cause that meant there was hot things coming around me while I was doing a vicious card. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember fajitas. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of like bar food. And um, uh, so after Al taught me like four or five tricks, and that's all I knew, um, I was working at uh, the ground rounds. I called a whole bunch and got gigs at two of them. So Louie is working in his band on Friday and Saturday night. I'm doing uh, um, my computer programming during the day. And then Friday and Saturday nights, I'm working four hours a night. I mean, that's huge to get four hours of practice in front of people, um, twice a week. Um, and so then Eugene came to town about six months after I started doing these restaurants and he was talking about stopping doing little kids birthday parties and doing corporate events by getting into upscale restaurants. And so I just went up to him after the um, lecture and asked, how do you get those upscale restaurants? And he just went, well, Suzanne, you must know someone. <laughs> and then he wrote a name on the back of a, um, of a card for me. And it, and it was this guy named Toby. And Toby used to live in Chicago and worked with um, Eugene at some of the restaurants that Toby worked. And um, so I... Uh, and then he had just recently moved to Minneapolis and worked at like one of the most fancy restaurant nightclubs in Minneapolis at the time. So I contacted him. I did my four tricks that I knew 
That was all. Oh, and then I knew the 21 card trick. I knew that one. <laughs> so I didn't want to do anything after the four tricks. I was hoping that he would be good with those four. Cause if he asked for another one, then I'd have to take out the 21 card trick. Um, but uh, yeah, after the four tricks, he was like, yeah, start Friday. And so I had Friday, Saturday with uh, this place called the American Cafe, Rupert's the American Cafe. And they were the, just, that was, that was the place to be is like doctors and lawyers and CEOs and people like that would go there. And there were no kids there because it was a, also a nightclub. And um, so I really got my start there. Then within a year, I quit my job as a programmer and just did magic. And I think this picture is from Gianni's, which also is one of the restaurants you've worked at the longest. Yeah, to Toby got me that gig too. So, I mean, Toby has, is still my friend this this long out. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was Gianni's Steakhouse. And what's amazing too is Eugene gave you that recommendation. He had never seen you perform magic at that point, right? No, he didn't know <laughs> anything about me. I was just, just looking like I was this 12-year-old kid walking up the <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was, it was a great gift. And I asked him later, why, why would you give away such a, such a, such a golden name to somebody you didn't know that I could have screwed it up there? Yeah. Look at that. That's a long time ago. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So that was before my hair started going gray. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I asked him why did you why did you give me that name because you didn't know me I could have I could have been horrible and he said you know it didn't matter that I didn't know you if you if you can open doors for people and they walk through it that's them once they walk through it that's them it doesn't reflect on me at all and so I just like to open doors for people and he did that for me quite a few times he opened doors for me. So I miss him so much. He was amazing. And we alluded to that. I mean, yeah, an incredible man. And I, I love that story too, because it 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 just, he touched so many people and that's a perfect example of, yeah. of one of the ways that he did it. Um, and uh, another person that you mentioned before too, Al Schneider was, you went, you, you, I believe you were posting online and it led to you finding out about a magic club Oh, honey, better than that. What do you mean posting online? There was no online. <laughs> Sorry, you were sending pigeons to each other. Yeah, well, basically. Okay, so for y'all for y'all old people, you're going to know what this is. But but Harrison, you're not going to know what this is. Um, uh, I, being a computer programmer, of course, I had to have my own home computer. And I had a Commodore 64. Ooh. Ooh, 64 you, you know what a Commodore 64 is? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I had a Commodore 64. And with a Commodore 64, you could do this dial-up thing. Um, you know what dial-up is? Oh, yeah. I, my mom would kick me offline if she answered a phone call. I remember oh, that. Right, right. Okay, so, mom, okay. I'm online. And then she would answer a phone call and it was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kicks you right off. So with the, with the, um, the dial-up, uh, with this thing called PlayNet, so this was before the World Wide Web, you get on playnet and you can play games like checkers and backgammon and, and chess and, and poker and stuff like that. So I'm waiting for somebody to play backgammon with and some guy in Boston is waiting for somebody to play backgammon with and we meet up and I mean this is this is where magic dropped in my lap. The guy asked me and I'm 
beating him at backgammon, by the way. Um, so, uh, so he asked me, what do you do for a living? And I said, computer programmer. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a professional magician. And I went, oh, well, that's really interesting. And he said, yes, I happen to be the president of a magic club here in Boston. Let me find out who the president of the magic club in Minneapolis is, and you should go to a, a meeting. And so I went, and that night is when I met Al Schneider, except for he doesn't usually go to those meetings. He went on a fluke to go. And That's so, like, I mean, I don't believe in destiny, but if I, if I was destined to do anything, it was to be, uh, oh, hi, Simone, I miss you. <laughs> Simone just popped up in the text thing. Yeah, and Kevin Jones wrote, a, it's a very long comment, but uh, most of all, Suzanne is patient and encouraging, and we have a good laugh, too. Her lessons are my silver oh. lining, uh, plus I need to learn the 21 card trick tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow, Kevin, 21 card <laughs> trick. I will teach you that one. I can't believe you don't know that one yet. Uh, but the, you mentioned, uh, so you meet Al, and it's a fluke that he's even at the meeting, but he also connects you to the Magic Castle as well, right? I think your first performance at the castle is 1988? 1988. So um, Louie and I got married in 86, and um, we were going to go to um, Tahoe because Louie had a, um, an uncle who had a cabin there, and then we were going to go to San Francisco, and then we were going to go to L.A. And so that was kind of going to be our honeymoon. And so Al said, oh, wow, if you're going to go to L.A., you should go to this place called the Magic Castle. And I had never heard of the Magic Castle before because I'd only been in magic for a year. <laughs> and um, and uh, so he said, I'll, I'll be able to get you in. So he made it so that we could get in. So I, Louie and I go into this magical place and I step in and it's like I'm a kid in a candy store. And I think at that time, oh, my God, if I could ever work here ever, even just once, I could just die right then. <laughs> and and my life is like everything in my life is fulfilled. And so then in 88 and I didn't tell Al I felt that way. But in 88, I said something about wanting to someday work there. And he went, oh, you're ready. I'll just call him. <laughs> so he called um, Bill Larson and Bill just said, uh, oh, Al said, um, oh, one of my students is ready. And Bill said, okay, send him out. So <laughs> Al sent him out. That's right. <laughs> exactly. He just assumed. He just assumed, well, I mean, it's a reasonable assumption, I suppose. So and and so I got to I got to go out and Ron Wilson, the uncanny Scott was the early guy and I was terrified. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and there's a uh, Martin Nash and there's Trixie Bond. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. There's Martin Nash. Yep. Yeah, these were the so, earliest castle photos that I had. Yeah, this was at um, uh, the this was in 88. No, I'm sorry. This was 98. Um, this is when um, I went out to uh, work the uh, Women in Magic convention because um, they there was a uh, all women magic convention out there, and I was one of the lecturers, and that's that was from that time. Um, but this so is you backstage at the castle, and oh, this is you uh, on the roof of the castle, which I, I don't think I've seen many photos well, where people have roof access. You're actually not allowed to get up there, but but I was <laughs> I was friends with the with the um, with the um, uh, 
the general manager at the time. So he let me go in through his office. So, yeah. One of the, one of the people I know that saw your first performance in, in 88 was uh, the professor himself, Di Vernon, <gasps> um, which has got to be very intimidating, especially for your first time out. Yeah. Well, he was kind enough to wait until Wednesday to come in. And then he came in and he had a cane and he sat front row center and leaned on the cane like this the entire time. <laughs> and so, you know, you want to make eye contact and the room is small. At the, at that time, you could fit like 40 people in there because they had the people seated and then they had two rows that would go, oh, look at that. That's in the pillar, I think. That one is. Yeah. And then they had two rows that are back um, behind. So you could get like 40 people in there. And so you want to make eye contact with all the people. So I'm going eye contact, eye contact with all these people. And then I skip over the professor. And, watch. <laughs> and then um, he also was known to dress people down. If he didn't like you, he would keep he's he would he would stand up and say, this is bad. This is crap is what I did. <laughs> I don't, I don't know for sure that he would do that, but somebody told me that that was accurate. So, um, so I. And that's in your head while he's in the audience. That at any moment time. you could stand yep. up, say this is crap. And yep. then I was waiting for every every single thing I was rating for. This is crap. <laughs> oh look at that! My my uh, my sister in law's on. Hey there, Robin. How are you, honey? <laughs> that's cool. So that even a non magician is watching here. Yeah. Um, so um, so I'm sitting there waiting for him to go, this is crap. The show ends and he's still sitting there. It's like he's a mannequin or something, like some statue leaning on his cane, just no facial expression. And I'm thinking, I'm dead. He has this thing he's going to stab me or something. <laughs> and I'm dead. I am never going to work the castle again. He's going to kick me out tonight. And so I'm just waiting. And at the time, there was this pocket door. And it had this real distinct sound when they closed it. It was like a swunk. <laughs> and so some people in the know knew he was going to just stay in there and talk to me after they all filed out. And then I hear this swunk. And that sound is just so still in my ears. And I'm standing there going, okay. And then he smiles, he gets this glint in his eye and he stands up and goes like this and then <laughs> he leaves. And it's like, my heart is like going, oh, what? <laughs> and then he came to see my show two or three more times. And by the end of the night, we were, or by the end of the week, we were just buddies. So it was, it was amazing to spend time with him. That's so, surreal. And yeah, then, it was surreal. Yeah. And then I believe at the end of the week, he had some, uh, some uh, the comments that the, in the story that I read, it said, uh, he said that you were the best female close-up magician he'd ever seen, which is very high praise. Yeah. And then you asked him, uh, you asked him what uh, you could do to make your show better. What was his advice? So, so he had seen my show many times and he's sitting in the Vernon seat, you know, that, that seat. Um, so he's sitting in the Vernon seat just outside the close-up gallery. And I'm thinking, okay, so. I spend some time with him. I feel comfortable with him. I don't think he's going to be mean to me like all of the stories that people say he's going to be mean. Um, and so I thought I would ask him what he thought of the show and I would ask him what could make it better. So I said, you've seen the show many times. What do you think I could do to make the show better? And he went, 
Well, Suzanne, wear a dress. <laughs> Which is advice you did not take. I didn't take that. I, yeah. I See, my, my opinion is you need to wear what you feel comfortable in, and I really don't feel comfortable in a dress. I, you want you want to see me in a dress. So you would see me in jeans and t-shirt and barn boots. I mean, I dressed up for you guys tonight. I put <laughs> product in my hair and everything. But I think it's interesting too because, uh, like, one of the quotes that I found that I what uh, was from Jeannie in in 2010, where you said Suzanne prefers to, uh, the quote is Suzanne prefers to see herself as a magician who happens to be a woman rather than a woman magician. Exactly. Yeah, because I don't think I. I mean, uh, a surgeon isn't going to go, isn't going to be called a female surgeon. Right. They're going to be called a surgeon. Yeah, nobody says, oh, I have a great lady doctor. They just say, I have a great doctor. Well, I have a great lady doctor, but she does lady doctor. Right, she's a lady doctor, that's right. <laughs> Touche. And she has to be, happens to be a lady or, right. yeah. But, but I, but I, but it's not because, right. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But right. I would rather be a magician who happens to be a woman then, oh, wow, she's a woman magician because that puts a, um, that puts a, um, a, a thing on it that I think doesn't need to be there. Well, one of the interesting things, uh, it was, I was reading your bio and it said the first woman uh, to win close-up magician of the year, uh, as opposed to saying the only female magician to win close-up of the year, because there hasn't been any since you, but I think that's a, an important distinction to make because the first, when you say first woman to win, that means there will be more. Right, and there will be more. There will be more. Mm -hmm. I've seen some some young young women coming up that are like, <clears throat> just great. So, um, oh, and Todd Todd Gerard just said, excellent point, excellent point. There you I go. Guy. By the way, hi Todd. I miss you, honey. I think he's a fox, but I, I somehow still trust him. <laughs> he is a fox. Uh, Todd used to be one of the hosts at the, the Magic Castle, and he and I uh, got to know each other quite well when I was there. And and uh, I I loved going there to see him. He was he was one of the people that made that place really worth going to for me. So. Yeah, well, I wanted to stay a little bit on what you were saying right before that, uh, because I... One of the things that I've mentioned, I, I have my feet in both the stand-up comedy world and the magic world. And if you take a, a non-entertainer and say name famous female comedians, they can start rattling off a list. But if you say name a famous female magician, I don't know if they can name any. Uh, and I guess the question is, what are the, the steps that we can be taking to fix that? Because there seems to be huh. such a disparity that that shouldn't be there. Well, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Um First off, define famous for me. Are you talking yeah. household name or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, name name five famous, household name famous magicians, period. Right, that's true. You have like your Copperfield, your Blaine, Chris Angel, uh, Carbonero, uh, and then Houdini. Right, so people know Houdini like like lay people will say Houdini, um, uh, that creepy mind freak guy, right? <laughs> that Chris Blaine guy, <laughs> the guy who got mauled by the tiger. Sure. But see, they don't even know their names. So, and if we do the math, 
how many male magicians compared to female magicians are there anyway? I'm going to say, um, I sort of looked into it once, female magicians in the club, that's about 5 or 10%, maybe, maybe. And if you look at all the male magicians in the club and figure what percentage of the male magicians in the club even do this professionally, let alone full-time professionally, let alone full-time professionally enough to like, say, get on TV. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all that there aren't household name female magicians. Do doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's a numbers thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I had seen was the sort of idea that there aren't as many role models. Like I think young girls growing up, it, it we, we need to have it, the visibility of female magicians like yourself helps them know that it is totally a th an option for them. It, 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 that is possible. I didn't have a role model at all. Um, cause I didn't have any magic influence when I was a kid. I just liked puzzles. So, so I don't, it's possible that role model stuff is is important because when you think of a magician, you think of a guy in a top hat sawing a lady in half. That's, I mean, that's what you think. Or a guy with a top hat and then pulling a rabbit out of it. But, right. um, but it is changing. If you look at if you look at magic books for kids, you see a girl magician a lot of times, which is great. I'm loving yeah. it. I'm loving it. And one of the things too, we were talking about uh, meeting people uh, along the way um, at the castle. I have a couple of pictures. Uh, this one, I think might've been at the Women in Magic Conference. Ah, yes. My buddy, Max. I love that guy so much. Yep. That was at the Women in Magic Conference. Yep. He was there with uh, Erica and he, he probably did a little lecture for us. And then I met Libby Larson um, there too. I love Libby. She's uh, become a, a little great magician herself. And by the way, uh, we can double check. Uh, I know we weren't sure, but let's double check when and where this photo was. Uh, let's bring on Max Maven himself. Hey, Max. I love you so much. How are Aww. you, honey? Hi, Suzanne. So good to see you. Oh, good Hi, to Harris. see you. Hi, Max. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, was it, was, uh, is this the women in... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I didn't attend the full conference because I'm. I didn't fit the uh, the entrance requirements. The reason I was there actually was that Libby, who at that time was twelve or something, uh, Libby Larson did a performance uh, at that convention, and I had helped her create this little act that she did that was wonderful, and so I was given kind of a special dispensation to attend uh, the part of the convention where she performed. Gotcha. And and how did you guys first meet? Might have been there. Um, possibly. I think we met at the castle prior to that. Oh, possibly. Uh, I think so. By the way, I need to toss in a clarification regarding Diverum. Oh, yeah. Because I was listening to your earlier discussion. Absolutely. Uh, he did not stand up in the middle of shows and say this is crap. Oh, good. I'm uh, so glad. Well, I think he did. In his later years, and by 1988, it was his later years. He would have been past 90. Um, his hearing was shot. 
and he never knew the volume of his voice. <laughs> so he would sometimes be sitting in an audience and make a comment either to the person sitting next to him if he knew them, or sometimes just sort of to himself muttering out loud. But what he thought was a, 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 a quiet <laughs> comment was at the top of his lungs. So if he <laughs> said to himself, oh, this is crap. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it broadcast because it was really loud, simply because he had no kind of gauge on how loud he was being because his hearing was shot. So uh, he, he was not so rude as to deliberately do that uh, in a loud voice. But that is why people kind of thought he did. So I, I just want to tell that part of the professor's reputation. That's fair. Uh, although that still would be pretty terrifying to hear him yelling that out. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. you could sometimes be really loud. Well, I, <laughs> I was really no scared whether whether I thought he was going to do that or not. It was quite intimidating to have him in the front row. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Uh, I had him sitting in many of my audiences, and uh, he, he was always very kind about my work. But you knew he was paying attention, and when he gave praise. Uh, as well as when he didn't, it was meaningful. He didn't. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he wasn't casual in his praise. If he if he liked what you did, and even if it only came down to giving you an okay sign, uh, that that meant something. He, yeah, he understood yeah. that his opinion was not. He knew you'd tell other people, right? He knew. Oh, he, yeah, he, yeah. he understood his position as being, you know, sort of God in magic. And so he didn't just casually say nice things because then it would undercut the the impact and meaning when he said uh, what he really believed. So so if he liked exactly. what you did, that meant something. Yeah. Regarding telling you to wear a dress, I think it's fair to say that he was born in the 19th century. Exactly, and that's how I took it. And yeah, you know, during his his almost a century of living. Uh, you know, during his lifetime, we saw the the advent of motion pictures, radio, uh, talking motion pictures, cars, airplanes. You know, a lot of change over like the Commodore sixty four and, and the changes in gender right. identification of clothing. You know, and I, don't I think at that time. That. I think at that time it had at the castle it had just just switched over to where women could wear um pants inside the club as pants inside the club right oh, and i don't know oh, if so there was a rule where you had to wear essentially gendered there was a time, up until a certain point there was a time in the early 80s i want to say uh or up until i should say the early 80s where there was just a simple rule Women wear dresses. Uh, cocktail attire was the was the frame of reference. Men wear jackets and ties. Yep. But of course, fashion changes. So in the late seventies, it became fashionable for men to wear turtlenecks instead of shirt and tie. And the castle did not immediately say it was okay, but eventually they realized, okay, this is still now in, in, within the dress up. Uh, rules and similarly with women, uh, in for a while it was no pants, and then it became inescapable uh, because things had moved and changed. So it became okay. You can wear women can wear pants, but it has to be a pants suit. Yeah, and it's well, kind I, of still that. I mean, they don't what they don't want 
for women or men is someone to toss on a shirt and, and pants. Right. Uh, they want it to be a, 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 a you know, it's it's the strictest dress code. Well, the club is shut down at the moment, but when the castle is operating, it has the strictest dress code in, in all of California. Yeah. So I don't think I would have been able to even, if I had worked a few years before, I wouldn't even have been able to wear pants, I don't think, to perform. You might have on the technicality that it was a performing costume. Ah, okay. But then you would have had to put on a dress to, to walk out and mingle right, outside right. the showroom. Yeah, which uh, I wouldn't have felt comfortable in, there. In more recent yeah. times, we have, uh, there. I won't name names, but there are a couple of performers who, who, who have worked the club who wear T-shirts as their stage or, or, uh -huh. or close-up performing attire, but have a shirt and tie and jacket backstage, and they'll change <laughs> into that in order to go out and mingle yeah, in the yeah. club. Uh, so the T-shirt is considered a costume. It yeah. gets complicated, and, and it gets more complicated as time goes on because the standards of dress uh, used to be much much more rigid than they than they have been in the last few decades. Yeah, and one of the things that you mentioned when you talked about Dai's praise being so valuable because he he it had import to it. Um, I feel similarly that 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 has to do with your praise as well. I think when you when you uh, praise an act, it's it's very meaningful, and I know you're a big fan of Suzanne's and. Well, what has struck you about her performances? Well, I am a fan of Suzanne's, and and uh, uh, I like her, and I don't mean that just oh. off stage as a person. Although that's true, I do like Suzanne, and we've we've gone to dinner a number of times and hung out and 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 all of that. But what I what I mean in saying it in this context is in her show, I like her. If I watch Suzanne's show and try to put myself in the frame of reference. Uh, of, of an audience member who knew nothing about her until she walked through those curtains, uh, I feel like I would like her in that context alone, that I would say, this is an interesting person. This is a person who's giving me something real, uh, not a fake display of, of personality, but even if it is a fake display, it's coming across as real. You know, it's the it's the old joke that many people have been uh, credited with of saying the most important thing in performing is sincerity. Once you can fake that, great. <laughs> uh, so I I I know Suzanne well enough to know that what she's delivering as a performer is real. But even if it wasn't, it feels real, and that's what's important <laughs> in the context of the show. You feel like you're spending time with her and not being performed at. And you're getting some sense, even in the context of a short 20 minutes or whatever, you're getting some sense of her worldview. Uh, one of the things I love about Suzanne is that she has incorporated parts of her life into her show. Um, and so, and uh, I was listening to the conversation prior to being on uh, about women in magic and that you don't want to be a, a, a female magician. You want to be a, a magician who is a female along with being short, being of a certain age, being uh, of a certain disposition. I mean, all these other factors and being a woman is an important factor, but by no means the only defining factor. And I get that and I agree with it. Uh, but having said that, my favorite thing in your repertoire is something that I would never be able to do, not only in terms of presentationally, but it just makes no sense because it's all about uh, 
your maternal side. Oh, the the band-aids. Yeah. With the band-aids, which uh, with which you fooled Penn and Teller, uh, since that hasn't been mentioned yet. Uh, I've that's been my favorite routine of yours. I think probably since the first time I saw you do oh, the thank uh, you an earlier version of it. I love it because first of all, it's it's about something other than here's a trick. It's not only about itself. Here, here's you know something. A transposes with B, applause. Uh, it's about something. It's about something in the real world that you have now brought into our magic experience. But in this particular case, it's something very specific to your own uh, personal experience, having been a mom, yeah, having yeah. raised a child. And I think that adds so much texture and depth to, to your performance. Uh, and your other routines add texture and depth through other means. But that particular routine has always been my favorite because it's very real. It really comes from you. It really, you know, I would have never thought of that routine. I've been involved in parenting to a degree, and, and I've, I had I, a I disagree. I think you make a great mom, Max. Well, <laughs> I, 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 that's another conversation, I suppose. Uh, I have been called a mother, but that's in a different context. Um, but the thing is, it would have never occurred to me in my life experience to, to, to write a routine, to, to develop a routine that was about maternal instincts. Well, uh, it, it sort of fell in my lap, though, Max. I did I tell you the story about how the that script came about? I don't think so. Can I tell you that story? I would love to hear it. So, uh, my son Ian, um, who happens to be here tonight, I might even ask him to come down here. Um, he was about eight or something at that time. I had seen um, the guy who created the Band Aid Transpo. Um, uh, perform at uh, an IBM convention when it came here in uh, to Minneapolis in probably 1997 or 98, prior to when I worked the castle in 98. And um, I saw him do this trick and he did it on me, of course, because I was the only girl in the audience. So he called me up and he did this trick. And I, and I wasn't fond of his presentation. I'm not gonna say anything bad about it. I'll just say it, it wasn't my flavor of what I would wanna do. But when it was done, I was standing there with uh, um, band-aids with my initial and his initial that had transposed. And I sort of, my response was, huh, and it seemed very much like a puzzle to me. And then um, I went to his lecture and he had lecture notes and I bought the lecture notes so that I could learn the puzzle. Um, and then after I learned the puzzle, I went, ah, yeah, I'll never do that. That's too futsy. Um, <laughs> and so uh, a few months later, my son is bombing around in the living room and through the hall and, and he bangs his elbow on the door frame. So he didn't break the skin or anything. He just like banged his elbow and that hurts like crap. So he ran to me, tears streaming down and he went, mama, you have to have a bandaid. And I pulled his arm away and he didn't have any cut or anything. And I rubbed it and I said, you're fine. You're not even bleeding. And he went, no, I have to have a bandaid. And then the, oh, there's my little guy when he was two. Look at that. So, um, that trick, the 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 solution to that trick went from the back of my head to the front of my head right. and went, this is a trick. 
<laughs> and so I had to decide, do I write down the script before I give him a Band-Aid or do I give him the Band-Aid? <laughs> I decided I'd remember the script. So I put a Band-Aid on. Good call. <laughs> and his, his tears dried up and he started bombing around the house again. So it basically it wrote itself. Like and and I think that that's why it's so effective is because that's why it has the ring of truth. Right. It yeah. it takes this personal experience and puts it to something that illustrates that personal experience. And um, I get people when I perform this for them, they could have had a good relationship with their mom. Don't know. They maybe they're maybe they had a horrible relationship with their mom, and this is something that they've been longing for their whole life. But I will do this for somebody, and I will imagine when I'm performing it what it felt like to me to put that band-aid on my son. So mm -hmm. that brought up brings up that maternal feeling for me as I'm putting that band-aid on my son and I I get this love back from them that is like it's not I can't even describe the love energy that I get back from the people that sounds really woo-woo and no, I know I've seen it that oh, sounds great I've, I've been I've been in audiences where it was clearly happening yeah, and and they get teary, yep. and they'll almost always hug well, me after. I didn't know the story about Ian banging his elbow, but uh, as I say, that that performance, that routine, has always had that ring of truth to me. Yeah. And so hearing that it that it there was this epiphany that happened in a real life incident is is not at all surprising because that's the routine is obviously uh, completely informed by that. Yeah, and, and totally comes from the heart. I mean, I think about my son every single time I do it. I'm going to see if I can get him. Ian. I was going to say, he was also in the audience when you did that <laughs> trick on Pumas. This is a picture from the show. So yep. that's going to be a great full circle moment to have him watching the trick that his childhood, in essence, uh, inspired. Oh, it, it was amazing to have him there. I was so freaking out the night before the taping. And um, he's, um, he, uh, part of his job is, oh, there it is, yep. Part of his job uh, was to take care of autistic men um, at the time. He was like a manager of a house for um, uh, men with autism. And so he, in his training, he really got this very empathetic and caring calmness about him. And he, I, I, he came into my room in the morning um, and I had been up all night just just panicking. And I told him how panicked I was and he um, kind of had me lay down and he kind of rubbed my head and he rubbed my feet and and he just talked to me and talked kind of talked me off the ceiling. And then when I started feeling better, he went, mom, you got this. And it was like, Oh, wow. He just did for me what that Band-Aid trick symbolizes, but it was reversed. You yeah. Know? And um, so that he was he was just so sweet and helpful. And uh, so I loved that he could be there with me for that. Well, I know I know Max has a meeting he has to get to. I appreciate you spending the time with us. I uh, love seeing you all the time. Great um, seeing you, uh, Harrison. I, I, I don't get to see this this show every week, but I drop in whenever I can. 
Uh, I was a guest once officially. Now I guess twice. Uh, so keep the keep it up. This is tre tremendous. And Suzanne, I miss you so much. I miss you. Uh, last time I saw you was in Minneapolis. Oh right. And, uh, and we had a, a lovely couple of days hanging out uh, with mutual friends. And uh, that's and right. That. You, you performed at our Sunday Night Magic show yes, that we do. Uh, we were trying to do it once a month, but now with COVID, the, the theater is shut down. So. Yeah. But well, uh, at some point, uh, sooner rather than later, we'll get back to some form of, of normalcy where we can travel again and yep. see each other in person. So and for I'm looking now, forward to giving you a hug, Max. I miss you so much. Virtual <laughs> hugs. Have a, a great rest of the evening, and uh, I'll be in touch with both of you. Okay. Take care, my friend. Bye. And uh, we have uh, another surprise guest who is currently outside in a mask. Um, I will show a photo because I think you'll know who it is, but uh, th it's a mystery photo. Mystery uh, photo. Our next guest. Uh, you're hugging. I think you have just one close-up magician of the year. You're very happy. Who is that in the photo? That is my brother, Jonathan Levitt. There he is. Jonathan, that it's hi, him. He's wearing a mask. <laughs> There he is. Hi, honey. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. Jonathan also, by the way, helped me uh, clean up the the bandaid trick prior to uh, um, uh, the Fulas thing. So if anybody needs any uh, good uh, mentoring, uh, of course I'm mentoring too. So, but Jonathan is a is a is an amazing magic mentor. So. Yes, and also make sure you follow him at Instagram, Jonathan Levitt. He's a great trick out called The Stranger, available on, I believe, both uh, Apple and on Android. So make sure you check that out. Thank um, you, my friend. And thank you, Suzanne. Uh, you've written a couple yeah. articles about Suzanne in uh, different magic magazines. Uh, I know you guys go way back. Um, how did you guys first meet? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 know. Feel, I, I feel like I've known you my whole life. We've been brother and sister my whole life. And I mean, look at that. That's actually, that, that is the award show, I think. That is the award show, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. So I was yes. hosting that year and um, I was so happy that year. Oh, uh, I love that picture. Uh, that's so great. Um, I was hosting the award show that year and I knew that we were about to give you the presentation, the, the award uh, for Post-Up Magician of the Year. And that was oh, really, it wasn't really an special. envelope? There was none of those, who's it going to be? You knew before. No, he knew. Well, I okay. was hosting the show. I was hosting the show. So, <laughs> so I had to so know. I, I had to know. I so, showed up. Part, yeah. I showed up and I'm coming up the steep hill uh, at the Magic Castle. And I see Jonathan and I run to give him a big hug. He could not look me in the eye. And he just, I kept trying to look at him and he kept looking away and then he'd hug me and he'd go, you're going to have a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know at that point, Suzanne, or were you still unsure? I I totally thought that that I was not going to, no, I didn't <laughs> think I was going to get it. I mean, geez, I was up against Armstrong and Delgadio and, and Goldenhurst so, and Green. Uh... I, I, I really did not think I, I was just honored to be nominated. I was like, whoa, I got a free trip out to California. <laughs> well, the fun thing was, the fun thing was we were producing the show. And we figured, okay, so we had to think who is, who should present the award? You know, so for me, I had to hold this secret that Suzanne was going to get it. 
And then we had to think about who should present it. So we got David presented to you, right? Uh, to announce it. That was certainly fun. Yeah, we had a, uh, there you are. Yeah, we had a, oh, uh, yeah, yep. Keith, Keith David. Yep, that was fun, man. It was fun. No, no, Keith presented it. Keith presented it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Keith, Keith presented, presented it. it, yep. That's right, that's right. So we had a we had a great time. We knew we were gonna have fun and, and that was hard oh, to keep secret. And uh, Mac King did, oh, I love that picture so much. Mac King did his funny little um, um, uh, cloak of invisibility to bring the thing out to hand it to Keith David. That was great. That's right. That was great. Oh, that was such a fun time. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know. Do you? How did we meet? Do you know? Um, well, I think you had come to see my show, and I was already kind of friends with uh, Regal at that time. And I had seen you on um, uh, The X-Files. And as you walk out, I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's the guy from The X-Files. <laughs> and then you came up and gave me a big hug and said that you liked my show. And then we just were like buddies since then. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's, you that's guys a good story. together at the castle, right? We, we have done many, many weeks together at the castle. It sort of became a... For a few years, it was a running, that's what we did, right? Running it was team, always yeah. you and me. Well, in fact, yes. I think you told, uh, um, who was booking at the time? I can't remember. Who's booking that? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't remember who was booking them, but whatever it was, you said, Suzanne will never get booked without me. <laughs> and so you well, made your decree. That that and, is clearly the kind of power that I wield. Uh, yeah. So. And I said I would not work late, and you said, "Well, you're not working with me then." And I said, "Then you're not working with me. I will not work late. I'm working early." And you went, "Okay." So, and as a but result, I started taking late. late shifts, and now they're killing me. Okay. <laughs> killing I'm, me. I'm sorry, you. you it's great. It's always fun working with you at the castle, and and uh, then we get to play with each other, and then we usually come into each other's shows and have some fun, and yeah, it's really great. I mean, you're my sister. It's fantastic. It, it is yeah. really a lovely uh, friendship. So yeah. Yep, I love and you, I know, man. And I know Jonathan, you're outside, uh, so I don't want to keep you too long. But I guess I'm the here, final. It, that's right. I'm I'm weathering the the uh, busy streets of L.A. with my mask, and it's. We're, don't live here. Don't live here. <laughs> it looks very nice right now. I, I will never live there. Uh, we but love Jonathan, LA, but it's a mess. Anyway. I guess before uh, we let you go, what, what, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about Suzanne and, and your relationship? I think, I, I mean, this picture sums up how close you guys are. And I think it's just a beautiful thing when there's this kind yeah, of that, uh, brotherly, sisterly that, love. Boy, that was a, and that's a real hug right there. That is not that a big is. hug. That thing. Well, you, that's, you uh, had said, I had said something about not that he, I said, if I win this, you're going to hug me on stage. And you went, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, one thing I have noticed is Suzanne's very insincere. I don't know if anybody's ever said any, said that, but <laughs> this is very insincere. And uh, it's just that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm, I'm sure that other people feel the same way. I, I'm Why sure. you and I get along so well there, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you, know you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate you uh, uh, taking the mask off for a second and, and bunkering down near traffic. 
<laughs> hey, Harrison, I, I appreciate you having me on. Suzanne, I love you, and uh, you. I'm glad to see you here. And Harrison, thanks for having me, man. What you're doing is great, great stuff. You produce wonderful content, and uh, don't stop doing it. Suzanne, I love to see that you're pushing forward. You're doing great work, too, and I love it. I love it. I love it. We, we're closer. We're all closer now in, in, in COVID than we have been. That's right. You know. Right? I We've mean, even done a social distance dinner, a uh, Zoom dinner. We did. That was fun. Yeah. We got to do that again. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, it's great to see you. Love you all. Thank you so much. Follow Jonathan Levitt at Jonathan Levitt on Instagram. He has great content through the Magic Castle, hosting a ton of great programming. Make sure you check that out as well and download The Stranger. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, and by I the way, I love that guy so much. Uh, he's incredible. Uh, a couple of uh, the last physical Tannins Magic Camp, we had our virtual Magic Camp for the first time this year, but Jonathan was a counselor for the first time last oh, year before. And seeing him with the kids, and uh, he blew those kids' minds. Yep. And it was just—it's just amazing. Um, and there's some there's some photos from the after party of when you won oh, uh, yeah. your award. Um, I see uh, your sons there, uh, your husband. There's somebody in the who is who's the lady in the bottom right corner? That's my that's my best friend, Catherine Wilson. Uh, and does she? Uh, where's she from? She she lives just 20 blocks north of me. Yeah, we oh, get. So then I guess it should be very easy then to bring her in. Kevin! <laughs> Hi, Hi. Thanks for having me, Harrison. Hi, Suzanne. Oh, Did my I tell partner. you I was doing this today? I'm sorry? Did I tell you I was doing this today when we had lunch earlier? You did. I didn't know I was doing it today. <laughs> oh, how did they contact you? Well, there's also this photo from the after party. Oh, um, yeah. And it's a confusing one because I think there's two Suzannes in that yeah, photo. My my friend Suzanne Herring, I love her. It's double double Suzanne in that photo, so we might as well yep. have double Suzanne in this show. Hey! Suzanne, oh, put the photo back We have a Suzanne Dwitch with Catherine. <laughs> hey, that's my joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just wanted to get it out before you did. <laughs> Yes, if you want to follow Suzanne Herring, her website is theothersuzanne.com, which is very easy to remember. If you want to follow uh, Suzanne, the Suzanne that's right next to me up top, that is youtube.com slash suzmagic. If you want to follow this Suzanne, it's theothersuzanne.com. That is not confusing at all. <laughs> Suzanne, do you want to tell people why you grabbed theothersuzanne.com? Yeah, because... Um, <clears throat> When uh, you come out here to California uh, and I'm hanging out with you at the Magic Castle, uh, I'm, they're like, oh, Suzanne. Oh, no, I'm Suzanne too. I'm the other Suzanne. So I got theothersuzanne.com and I put it to my page. But every time Suzanne leaves, then I take theothersuzanne.com and point it to her page. Do you really? Because I'm going to tell you. No, I don't, but I've been meaning to. Like, you said you were going to and you don't ever do it. That's okay. You can be the other Suzanne all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I was able to find Catherine is uh, Suzanne helped me out. Suzanne, other that Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine, you told me you met at a gig. You met uh, Suzanne at a gig, and uh, that's how you guys became friends, right? I did. She was um, hired to entertain for uh, a group of volunteers and staff for a conference I was resourcing. And I had never seen a magician 
you know, up close. And here she was. She did an invisible deck. Interesting that that was another first trick. Um, and I was. Now you guys are best friends because you have magic terminology. <laughs> I guess so. And so I didn't know a thing about magic. And so we found out we lived. 10 blocks away or whatever and we just became fast friends and she um helped me learn so much about magic i i will never be a magician but i have loved um learning about it from her it's just been really fun and i've been out to the castle many times and max and jonathan have been friends for my me too and suzanne so I've I've loved um, being Kiki. That's my nickname out at the castle. A lot of people know me by the name Kiki. Kiki. And I know. Kiki! I know you usually, have you guys all crashed together? Were there, has there oh, ever yeah. been a Magic Castle slumber party? So to yes, speak? definitely. <laughs> Which one of you of the three gets in the most trouble? I feel like I know the answer. This this one down here on the. The one who's not making eye contact. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. Yeah, she's the one who makes the, this one. This, this. Wait, wait, wait. That I can't do it. That, this one. This one. Right. Wait. That guy can't get it. <laughs> it's hard when you're in the Brady Bunch thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's also mirrored, so sometimes I end up pointing the exact opposite way. Right. That's that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and Catherine, you were in the audience of Fool Us, I believe, too, right? Yes, I was. I had the privilege to be in the audience when she got Close Up Magician of the Year and and also for Fool Us. It was just thrilling. And I watched Suzanne work for weeks and weeks and weeks on her 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 own handling for that trick. It was just amazing to watch, to to be behind the scenes and be her guinea pig for uh, for uh, so many things. Because I like what you say, don't say it, but I like what you say when I when I do something new for you. Yeah, I I swear. Yep. Whenever she blindsides me, it starts with an F, fool us, right? And um, it, it I thought I knew all the things, and then she'll do something else. And I, I, I have to, when I go to a restaurant to watch her, I have to watch my mouth because she'll spring <laughs> something on me in a public place. It's no fair. Watch and, your mouth. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, well, Suzanne uh, Herring, um, uh, uh, yeah. you, you also met at, I believe, at a performance, right? You were at, uh, <laughs> Oh, well, we were both to, oh, look at that oh, girl. That. I don't think that, that was the one, though. I don't think so. But. Oh, no, this is the only trade. This is one of the few trade show. Uh, yeah, that was the, yeah. Man, I was searching my pictures for pictures from this thing. I couldn't find it either. But I used to I used to do trade shows as a presenter with personality. It's kind of a step up from Booth Bimbo. But um, no, I used to yeah, I used a lot of improv and comedy and stuff. And uh, at, whenever I would do trade show, I would always go at least one meal with all the magicians who are performing at the trade show. Um, you know, we do lunch or dinner. And so I'm at this show and it's this big electronic show. And I run into one magician and he goes, Hey, I hear you're doing linking rings at this one. And I'm like, linking rings. I don't do linking rings. <laughs> and then I, later on, I'm like walking around, I run into another magician. He's like, Hey, I hear you're doing magic at this show. And I'm like, I don't do magic at trade shows. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, I walked by the booth and I saw Suzanne, the magician. And, had the, and, and I'm like, Suzanne, the magician? 
what do you mean? And then I start walking around because I'm on a break. I'm walking around looking for this booth and I find it and she wasn't there. But I see this sign that says Suzanne with the Z that's in a Z, uh, yeah. lightning bolt Z. And I'm like, oh, Suzanne the magician. I'm the only Suzanne in magic. And like it's all catty and everything as women always do. Just kidding. Um, and I'm like, who is this? I've never heard of her. I don't know who she is. That, that, there it is. There's there's the Z. There's that. <laughs> and there's reason for the Z and, and maybe Suzanne will share it. But um, so like later on, I go to the ladies room and I see another woman in there with a microphone, both wearing mics, only she's like this tall. <laughs> hey. Hey. And, and she's looks, she does not look like a typical presenter at a, at a trade show. And I look at her and I go, are you Suzanne the magician or something like that? And she said, yeah. And, I go, and I, it didn't go, it wasn't, it was like, we are best friends. It was just Boom. kind of like, a, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you guys were also roommates at the mystery school together, right? Because I know oh, that, yeah. like a, that was a, 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 a hinge point, a pivot point where I think, because we, we alluded to this before with Max talking about your Band-Aid trick which is imbued with all this meaning. It comes from a real thing that happened in your life. Um, did you guys both go through that experience together at mystery school where you kind of started to marry magic with meaning, so to speak? Sort of, I mean, mystery school was a, it was a very interesting experience. It was like <laughs> mind opening and, you know, the, all the, all the um, stories about, like you believe in me? All the stories about people dancing around the um, the campfire naked and sacrificing goats. I mean, <laughs> I'll just tell you right now, there were no goats. No, they weren't sacrificed. They stayed alive. They did stay alive. Yeah, yeah. There were no there we, were no goat sacrificing. But we did cool things like we made masks. We did make masks. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, that's <laughs> right. Masks at Mr. Oh my God, there's so much dust in there. It's from 1997. I stopped keeping that crap. I couldn't find one photo. I think that might come in handy now. You can wear that at a grocery store. That I can. I think that's considered safe. This mask. I'll just put this over it. Oh my God. If I, I don't know Suzanne, I'd have <clears throat> my mask down too, Suzanne. Well, <laughs> well I, can't, I was wouldn't have been a surprise guest then, would I? Well, that's right. I could text text my son and have him bring it down, and then y'all can meet him too. Oh, there we go. That would be good. Is there dust all over my face. Anyway, I'll, I'll, learn, I'll learn from your mistake and not uh, and not put mine on. I'm impressed that you have yours too. That's so cool because that was 1997 and I searched for pictures, man. Harrison, I, I searched through this giant box. I found pictures of Magic Camp from before you were born, yes. oh I think. I really don't know how old you are, but I was at camp probably before you were born. He's old enough to know what a Commodore 64 is. That's there you go. <laughs> Although I did, you did send me this photo, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about what's going on here. 
That's the Women in Magic conference. I don't remember if that was the first one or the third one, but uh, Suzanne and I went went to all three, and we were both lecturers at the first one and the third one. I think this this was the first one. This was ninety seven also. Um, if you look all the way up in the very tippy top, let me see. Where where's Suzanne? I'm looking. Where's, Where's the, oh, there you are. So right behind Suzanne is this little pipsqueak with these oh, there, creepy glasses. Libby. That's Libby Larson at, she was nine <laughs> there. And those are my glasses that I used as a character because I taught a course on character and uh, also made fun of Irene Larson while I was doing some kind of goofy accent in a good way. We became fast <laughs> friends too. But oh, um, when we were hanging out with her at the bar. Oh, that was excellent. We better not talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, now that's all I want to hear about. Well, you weren't there, Catherine. I didn't know you yet. Yeah, no. but I've heard stories. <laughs> I think everyone has an Irene Larson story oh, that, yes. that, that they won't tell in public that they're not like. Yes. Yes, I have my share too. <laughs> Oh, I remember the first time I ever performed at the Magic Castle and she bought me a drink and I, it was just such a wonderful moment. And then she leaned in, she says, I have a joke for you. And she told me a very dirty joke. And yeah. I was like, I love this lady. I told you. <laughs> yeah, I miss Irene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all do. I know. And Catherine, you sort of know Suzanne from both worlds. You, you're uh, pretty close. You look pretty close to her. So you, yes. you know her in her day to day. Yes. Uh, is there a, uh, do you see any difference between Suzanne the magician and Suzanne the neighbor? Um, you know, I think the, the big difference for me is, um, as Max said, Suzanne doesn't put on a fake persona. She is herself. And that's one of the things that makes her so endearing to everyone who sees her do magic. Um, so I get to see her work, but I also get to go out and pet her horse with her. And so I, I have extra layers pet her of horse? Experience, experience. You stop it. See, she's just terrible. She's, she's the one that gets us into trouble every uh, single thankfully time. Thankfully, I am very prepared and I, I can show pictures that it is an actual horse. See? <laughs> I, I, I'm well, gratified to know that I took yeah. quite a few of the pictures that you're showing tonight, actually. On the wall. Um, that was oh, that's Hanky. Yeah, that's her horse, Hank. And um, we did our little photo shoot at the barn, and I just had a blast doing that. So um, so I, I think that's the thing that I would say. There's, there's a genuine person who is incredible at connecting with people, period. And she applies that when she does her work and it's seamless and, you know, it's seamless. I, I want to answer part of the question The I come off like an extrovert when I'm performing, but I'm very much not. This ah. is true. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't know it, but she is, is an introvert. Yes. Yeah. And the other Suzanne is also very introverted at all. Yeah. Very yeah. quiet and reserved. Hard to get her to come out of her comfort zone. I mean, she's just. You, you I was so nervous. Go, I was like, will she come out of her shell for this? I just don't know. Yeah. Kind of put some energy into it, Suzanne. A little bit. <laughs> and, and, we <laughs> and we mentioned the horse. Um, this is, uh, I think this is Bibi, the. Yeah. The horse you raised since it was a, a pony. 
Oh, she was a, just a little, she was just a little filly. She was only one when I got her. Hi, my son. Hi. Okay, now I am not putting this on. This oh, there is it is. I made. I made this one. Here, kind of scoot, scoot down and you guys can see my, see my offspring here. Hi, Ian. Hello. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. That's this is my offspring. This is Ian. Hi. Hello. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm great, Ian. How are you? It's so good to see you. You haven't I'm seen him in a while, have you? No. Since, was it um, since what? she won that award? Yeah, in 2010. Yeah. No, I didn't see him then. <laughs> well, that's that's my that's my little one there. He and I worked the Renaissance Festival together. But yeah, he's come over to fix dinner for me tonight. Oh. <laughs> And Ian, was there, I know you're a musician, uh, so you yes. take after your dad, but was there ever a, a thought of becoming a, a magician? I, I learned a few tricks, but um, I, I, short answer is no. <laughs> I, I, I play like a dozen different instruments and I play at the Renaissance Festival. Yeah. That's that <clears throat> actually, at, um, so yeah. That's me. And 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 the band. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the things that's interesting is like uh, my parents have normal civilian jobs. So when you tell them you're going to be a performer, that's usually a hard conversation. Uh, your mom is a magician and your dad is a musician. So was the conversation that you're going to do music, was that, that a hard one? They named me because they thought I'd be a good rock musician. So I think it was more expected that I would be a performer than like an accountant. Oh, but <laughs> but when he was in um, elementary school, um, he wanted to be a musician, um, but he wanted to rebel because dad played rock music. So he uh, went the other way and played that long hair classical crap. <laughs> and then he played the upright bass, so he was in two uh, youth symphonies, and then he went to a uh, um, to uh, um, an art school that was for a high school that was just all about music and well, all about arts because there were other people who were like uh, into drawing and stuff, so it wasn't music. Yeah, music, dance, visual arts, media arts, yeah, theater. And literary arts. And literary arts. So yeah, so uh, he's he's been in the arts for a very long time. He's super creative. Oh. And do we have do we have Steve back there? Yeah, but he can't hear. Okay. <laughs> oh, Steve. Hey, Steve, come and wave. You're you're on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. I was just gonna. This is my husband, Steve Catalano. And, hey, Steve. Uh, and he can't hear a thing because you're he's here. Oh. go on there. Okay. Stick that in your ear. Uh, well, I was just going to say the other way I copy Suzanne. I didn't realize it till this moment. My husband's a musician, yep. and our son, who also has a beard and long hair now, <laughs> is a musician too. And it's like, ah, God, stop copying me. Oh, uh -oh, Catherine, is your son? Do you have a son, and is he also a musician? No, I actually have two daughters, and they don't do those things. But <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, they're still very amazing women. So. Yes, they are. They are, indeed. That's what well, a meteorologist or something. One is a doctorate level. Um, she she works for NASA and she does research on how satellites measure precipitation. And my other daughter is a is an amazing nurse. So, 
Oh, that's awesome. If only yeah. they had done magic though. I know, nobody's done magic. No, no, I tried. I, oh, I can Livy. I, yes, she's teaching my granddaughter a few tricks. So hope maybe there'll be a chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining. I did just get a comment. Somebody asked if the horse would be a special guest. I have not been able to get a camera on the horse. So not to disappoint anybody who's watching, but there will not be a fifth screen with the horse live. <laughs> uh, we do not have that capability here on Who Books That? <laughs> um, but, oh, my God. Uh, Suzanne and Catherine, thank you so much for joining uh, and for sharing. So nice. I to love you, you Suzanne. Uh, Thanks, Harrison. Bye, you guys. Thank you, Harrison. Bye. Oh my God. And Suzanne, thank you so much. And Ian, thank you for popping in. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Suzanne, as we end every episode, um, is if you have any advice for young performers who are watching, young magicians, young entertainers, young musicians, uh, perhaps, uh, what would your advice be for them? Ah. Um, can I say more than just one thing? Absolutely. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, remember that you're performing for people. You're not performing at them. And the magic isn't about you. It's about what you bring out in the other people. That is perfect advice. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you so much for participating in this show. Uh, hopefully you get to hang in person sooner rather than oh, later. I would love that. Stay safe and stay well, and hopefully talk to you soon. Okay, sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. And all the wonderful guests, that was that was such a surprise. Oh, my pleasure. You know what? It, it, it just goes to show how, how well-loved you are, because everybody uh, was so happy to join in as soon as I oh. asked. And uh, I think that's a testament to, to you and, and what you represent in their lives. Well, thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me do this. Thanks so much. Suzanne, everybody. Oh my gosh, that was such a fun episode. You can follow her on YouTube, youtube.com slash Magic, S-U-Z magic. Uh, you could also uh, follow her on her website, suzmagic.com and Twitter, Suzanne Magician. Um, a huge thank you to all of our guests. There's Max Maven. You can follow him on Twitter at Real Max Maven. Jonathan Levitt, that's on Instagram at Jonathan Levitt, L-E-V-I-T. And you can follow the other Susan, uh, the other Suzanne.com. Um, you could also follow her on Twitter or Instagram at the Suzy Show, S O Z I Show. And Catherine has a book coming out. Catherine Kiki uh, Wilson, uh, thank uh, you so much for joining as well. That's groundedvisions.com. Make sure you check that out. Um, make sure you uh, support her work as well. Groundedvisions.com. Uh, that has been a, a hell of an episode. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. And if you're on Central Time, like our guest, that would be 6 p.m. Uh, this is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Um, so make sure you go to magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join um, to either renew your membership or to become a membership. Uh, next week, we have a fantastic uh, magician. Lynn Dillies is in the house coming to you from uh, the East Coast. Um, from Massachusetts. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday um, and download this show as a podcast on whobooksthat.com. You can follow me at Harrison Comedy. That is it for now. A huge thanks to Suzanne and all the special guests one more time. And a huge thanks to everybody who has been watching. Ken Weber sending some applause. I send applause right back. Hope you're staying safe and well. Steve, thank you so much. Uh, Rob, we have Robin is in the building. 
Kevin Jones is in the building. Jim Cox, Matt Mercy, all the way from Los Angeles. I uh, love you, brother. Thanks for tuning in. We have uh, Lisa with two S's. Uh, Todd Gerard, of course, from the castle. Good to see you. Joel, Connie, so many people from literally all around the world. Jeff Abbott, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we'll see you here next week on Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. Cue the animation. I have to cue it. I'm talking to myself. Here we go. Who books that? Who books that with Harrison Greenbaum singing the theme song? I am singing it. That's me singing the theme song.